Thanks for tuning into the Flip King Real Estate Radio. Whether you're a beginner or seasoned real estate vet, we are looking to help you grow your business and better your life with real world deal examples, tools and tricks for your daily business, and good old fashioned motivation to get you in the game. We're here to see your real estate business grow to fit your lifestyle, whether for straight cash or cash flow. Grab a pen and notebook and get ready to grow. It's the Flip King Real Estate Radio Show. Now, here's your host, Joe Evangelisti. Hey, what's up, guys? Joe Evangelisti from the FlipKing.com Real Estate Radio Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hanging out back here this evening. It's a beautiful, crisp fall evening in Haddonfield, New Jersey. It's right near Philadelphia. In fact, I'm just getting back from a horse and carriage ride with my three- and six-year-old daughter and my wife. The girls wanted to hang out with the horses, so I took them over to Philly this evening, and we we drove around, uh, or we got pulled around Philadelphia, historic Philadelphia, we got a little tour, we got a little education, learned a little bit about the history of this country, which is also so amazing. And it's actually funny, I think it's ironic, because I grew up in South Jersey, I really never spent any time in Philadelphia, and really never learned anything about Philadelphia, but now that I'm older and I bring my kids over there, I'm starting to become a little bit of a history buff, and uh, becoming really interested in the uh, in the place where our country was started. Those of you who know me know that I'm very patriotic. I did six years almost in the military for the U.S. Navy Seabees, and uh, I was a builder in the Navy, so I did construction for a long time. I grew up with my dad, who was a builder, and did construction, so that's kind of how, brief background about how I got into uh, to all these awesome rehabs. So anyway, I wanted to give you guys a recap and some real-life scenarios of a couple deals that we did this week. We actually closed three transactions this week. Three new rehabs, fix and flips. In fact, one of them might be a buy and hold, but two of them are deck definitely fix and flips. Great deals all throughout my uh, my South Jersey area here. Two in Camden County and one in Burlington County. Beautiful houses, all great, great neighborhoods that that you would want to you know you would want to live in and start a family, all that kind of good stuff. Really nice single family houses. So uh, I want to give you an example of the one house that we did in Burlington County this this week, um, and a little bit of background as to how we got it, and some really cool tricks to how you could save fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on an acquisition on a deal, which we did this week. And it all bases around a word that I've used before called rapport. But I'm going to teach you, teach you a little few tricks right now. So let me just jump right into it. I told you guys during our, if the people who, who listened to this podcast and actually chimed in and, and, and hooked up with uh, level up, level up real estate training.com. Again, that's level up real estate training.com. Those of you who follow us on the website and the blog realize that we did a training session about three weeks ago with my buddy Mark Scouron from Chicago. Mark's a big wholesaler, and, and I'm a big rehabber, or I, th- I think I'm relatively a big rehabber, especially in my local market here. And uh, Mark and I got together and did like a four-hour live webinar training exercise. And in there, I talked about motivated seller extraction bullet points, like like ways to to find motivated sellers and extract them and, and, and get deals and all that kind of thing. And one of the points that I make in that presentation is that you should use social media. You know, I know a lot of people think social media is funny and it's silly and maybe it's not a business uh, tool anymore, but 
truthfully, I believe in 2015 and, and beyond, social media is going to be everything for us. It's going to be our news. It's going to be our, our, our social interaction. It's going to be our business tools and our extraction tools and all that kind of good stuff. But this particular deal in this Burlington County um, deal that I bought this week started, it really started from social media. And it started from what I believe is a, is a place that Grant Cardone calls omnipresence, you know, where you're omnipresent and, and wherever, wherever people look, they find you, they know of you, they understand what you do. They, they know that in my case, they know I'm, I'm a real estate broker and a rehabber and I'm a buyer of houses. Okay. So this deal started where a friend of mine who was kind of more of an acquaintance, it's not even someone that I've ever had dinner with. In fact, she was a, uh, she was a friend of mine from when I used to bartend years ago, and she was uh, married to one of the managers of the bar that I worked at, and, and we've spent some time talking and chatting, and she's always kind of been interested in real estate, which is cool. And so she is a junior associate um, at, a law, at a law firm. And my team had done some postings on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, biggerpockets.com and a few other places. And uh, this person was, you know, was on LinkedIn, saw my posts for a while. And eventually she reached out to me on Facebook Messenger and just said, hey, I work, I work for this law firm and someone in the law firm has a property to sell. So I said, okay, great. Definitely would love to to chat with that person, set up a meeting, so forth. And uh, one of the few meetings that I'll take in person is someone who's referred directly to me. I know a lot of people would, would refer them directly to their acquisitions manager, but when it's like a friend of a friend or someone that I know personally, uh, I'll go and take that meeting. So I did. I ran out to uh, to to the house one day, and I, and um, you know there was there was a difficult situation with a family member who uh, was tied to the house who had some. Um, who had some uh, some medical problems and some some mental problems, and it was a very challenging situation for the seller of the house who met me there, and uh, and she had was very nervous, you know, very nervous about showing me the house with this person, uh, her husband walking around the property, and you know she was uh, very 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 uh, cautious about me meeting him and and him being okay with the sale of the house and so forth, and so I went out and I met both the two of them and I, and I spent. You know, a good, t- a good amount of time, probably 45 minutes to an hour at the house for the first time. I walked through it. The gentleman that I met with that had, that had the trouble ended up being very, very nice, but I spent time listening to his stories and I spent time understanding his situation, which are all the things that I teach you guys as, as dealing with sellers and building rapport. Understand the situation. Listen to the stories. Even if they don't relate to you, try to find a way to relate to them. You know, really start to care which is truthfully what we do in our business when we're dealing with these sellers. A lot of times, hey, you actually have to care. You actually have to want to help somebody. I mean, that is the point, guys and, and, and gals who are listening. You know, when you're dealing with these sellers, actually have a heart. You know, our business is not to go out there and just steal from people and try to, and try to make something of it. That's just bad karma. It's going to catch up with you. But actually have a heart and listen to the situation and understand the people you're dealing with and try to relate. And that's what's called rapport. That's the big thing that I always push. Build rapport. And in a minute, you're going to see how that rapport saved us tens of thousands of dollars. So anyway, we spent some time. I looked through the property. This was actually a great property for us because it's only like 15, 20 years old. And it's in a really, really prestigious neighborhood. And it's definitely something we can work with. So I, I took the time to go meet with uh, the the seller aside from her husband. You know, I took her to a to a local uh, coffee shop. And we sat and talked. 
And I said, listen, this is how our numbers work out. You know, I think the property could be worth $400,000 uh, as an ARV. Of course, I didn't call it an ARV. I explained to her that was the value after we're done repairing it. You know, I think it's a $400,000 home. I use our, our, our formula, which is not a patented formula. That's what every wholesaler in, in the country uses. It's 70% of 400 grand minus repair value, repair cost. Now, at the time when I met with her and I saw the house for the first time, I thought, you know what? We could spend a hundred grand in this house because it's a huge house and it could potentially take a lot of work if we gut all the kitchens and bathrooms and all the flooring throughout the house. I thought 400 ARV minus a hundred thousand dollars. So it's, it's 400 times 0.7 minus a hundred, which comes out to roughly 185, something like that. And I had offered her 185. I had said to her at that time at the coffee shop, look, this is what I think the house is worth in a fair market. I think uh, any investor would pay 185 for the house. And I think that, uh, you know, that's the best we can do at this point in time. And that was my offer. And I made it clear to her that was my offer. But I had compassion about her situation. I understand that you have some mortgages on the house. I understand this is a tough scenario. I understand you're dealing with a lot. The house had also had a lot of clutter. It was really full. The, the gentleman that I spoke about earlier was kind of becoming a hoarder, started to, to stock, stockpile his stuff in the house, and uh, therefore the house was full. And it's a big house, like a 3,000-square-foot house. So I had then said to her at the same point, listen, if you need some help unloading the house, you know, we could buy the house potentially with some of that stuff in there, and, and you know, at that number we could. Otherwise, I know you probably want to get some of that stuff out, so let me refer you to my clean-out guy, who's also my demo guy. Um, is also someone who helps with transitioning seniors and other folks from house to house. So he's very, very good at his job. He's very good at dealing with older folks that have dementia and things like that. So he's a good fit, and he's a great fit on our team. He always makes us look good. So anyway, I give uh, I give the seller my clean-out guy's number, and I said, you know, reach out to him, and he'll give you a quote for moving your husband's stuff out of the property uh, and, and getting it from point A to point B, whatever that may be, a storage unit or whatever. So, uh, so that, so that was that. The following week, I, I flew out to, to Cleveland to go to my hot seat. So a lot of you guys listen to, again, listen to, they, you kind of know my schedule. I go to these, uh, these mastermind hot seats probably every month or two. I'll go to one and, and it's a great, a, a great chance for me to learn and grow and build my business. And I, I'll do all, all kinds of podcasts just about how important I think that they are. Um, we do them ourselves and, and uh, we have groups that come to our office and do them as well. But uh, not to get off topic, I gave her the number to, uh, to my cleanout guy and I'm in Cleveland and I get a call and she says to me, you know, your guy's here. He's giving me numbers for cleaning out. He's a super nice guy. He dealt with my husband very well. You know, it's a difficult situation, blah, blah, blah. So I said, that's, that's wonderful. What did you think about my offer? She said, I have another guy coming to look at the house today and I'll get back to you. Now, you know, I'm, I'm never in love with the fact that we could be competing in a situation with uh, a property, but at the end of the day, this is the business. I mean, you're going to most likely be competing with somebody unless you're able to get a contract signed up front, uh, which we do often. But if you're dealing with somebody where there's, it's a time sensitive situation and they have a lot of stuff and you're dealing with other outlying issues like, like, like the husband in this scenario, you know, it's, it's not always cookie cutter. It doesn't always work exactly the way you want. So I said, okay, great. They're coming out. I said, just do me a favor. And it's one of the things I ask a lot. Do me a favor and just, Make sure I'm the last person you talk to. You know, give me an opportunity, as I did for you. Give me an opportunity to be the person that 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 can close this deal for you. You know, so when you get that offer, at least come back to me and tell me what it is. So here I am at 185. I get a call two days later from this person, and she says, "Joe, it's unbelievable. I I can't believe it, and I don't even believe." 
that they're making a good move. But this other buyer came in at 215. And at that point, I thought to myself, wow, we're really far apart. They're at 215. I'm at, I'm at 85. We're $30,000 apart. But let me reevaluate things. I said to her, listen, you know, I didn't get a great budget put together when I was there the first time. I have an idea of what I want to spend, but would you at least do me a favor and meet my contractor there, my foreman who runs all of our jobs? Would you meet Brian at the house and would you allow him to walk through and at least come up with a, with a price for me? And she said, yeah, I would do that for you because you've been so good to me. Same afternoon, Brian goes out and meets her. Brian calls me back and he said, listen, you know, I think you could spend a hundred on this property if you really tried and you wanted to blow things apart, new kitchens, new bathrooms. He goes, but you know, long story short, I really think you could spend more like 60 or 65 here and do a pretty nice rehab without gutting things. You know, keep the kitchen cabinets, replace the countertops, put new hardware on the cabinets, maybe paint the cabinets, do some new flooring, fix the roof, replace some of the windows, so on and so forth. He says, you know, I think you could inch out of here for 65 grand. Well, that makes a big difference to me because I had a $100,000 budget. So now I have a $65,000 budget, which puts my offer at 220. It's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different animal. So I called the seller back the same afternoon and I said, listen, I'm really pushing myself to get to 215. You know, I think 205 or 210 is maybe a better offer, a better number, but I understand the position you're in. And I had my contractor come out and give me some really firm numbers. And I think that we can maybe not do as much to the house as I initially thought. And therefore, I'm willing to offer you 215 if you can tell me right now over the phone that we have a deal and that we're going to move forward. Now, verbal contracts, guys, are so important because once people commit to you, you know, they have an obligation. Now, not everybody's going to follow through with that. Not everybody's going to honor that. But where I'm from, when I make a verbal commitment, I follow through with it. And if somebody makes a verbal commitment and doesn't follow through with it, well, they're not somebody we're going to deal with ever again. And this person is an attorney who has a law firm who I think we could do a lot of business with in the future. So, you know, she has a lot at stake. She's referred, she was referred to me from somebody else. And, you know, she knows other people that know me and so forth. So, you know, I kind of, I kind of think that if she says yes to this deal, I'm pretty confident that we're going to close the deal. So she said yes. She goes, you know what? I appreciate you doing your best. I appreciate you getting a 215. And you know what? Between me and you, we have a deal. Send me a contract and I'll sign it. So I did. And then same afternoon, I shot her over an email with a contract. And within a day, I had the contract signed and back. And boom, we move forward to 215. But here's where the money savings comes in. I get back from my trip the following Monday, and I had a meeting with her on Tuesday to look at the house again, just to firm things up, get some pictures so that I could uh, send off some information to my cash investors, put the deal together. And when I met her, she says to me, she confides in me, you know, listen, Joe, I want to tell you that the other buyer came back because they really wanted to get the deal done. They came back at 230 or 235. I can't remember what she said. So we're talking 15, 20 grand difference. She goes, they really wanted it. They wanted to be, you know, they wanted to do the deal. And she said, I had to tell them no, because we already had that verbal commitment. And, you know, we had had a contract signed and, you know, truthfully, I felt like we had such a good connection. You already had your clean-out guy here. I felt really confident and comfortable with your with your foreman. I felt confident and comfortable with you, confident and comfortable with your clean-out guy, and they're already working here. So she kind of felt, in a way, she kind of felt obligated to follow through with her 215. Now, does this happen all the time? No. Does it happen a lot of times? Absolutely. This rapport thing is more powerful than any other tool in your entire arsenal. This is why I say that you have to find the pain, you have to relate to the pain, and you have to use that 
to help you build rapport, not in a dirty way, not in a crooked way, but in a way that helps you truly, truly relate to the person that you're dealing with. Because that rapport that you build is going to help you close deals that you otherwise wouldn't close. If I had went in there, and I don't know the other investor, but I'm I'm guessing they went in there all tough, acting like a tough guy. Yeah, 215, throw the number at you, walk away. Probably didn't look him in the eyes, didn't ask him any questions, didn't care about their situation whatsoever, didn't put any effort into caring about the client or the seller in this matter, right? And they probably just came in, slapped the number down, walked away. And then when I came up and met their number, they got scared and they dropped another 15 or 20 grand on their offer to try to make it work. But by then, it's too late. It doesn't make sense because I've already built rapport. I've already talked to the seller. I already know their needs. And in fact, this seller, I am super confident, is going to be a repeat customer. She's going to, re- she's going to refer us to her clients. She's going to refer us to her friends. She's going to refer us. She might have other properties she wants to sell, which in fact she does. I know, I know her from, you know, the situation. She might have other things that she wants to sell. She knows that she can trust our company. She knows we're going to close. Because we did. We closed when we said we were going to do. We did everything we said we were going to do in this situation, and that is called building trust and building rapport. So you guys that are listening, I know it's maybe it was a little bit of a boring episode, but the bottom line is we closed this deal for 215 We got the deal. We'll have the thing flip for sixty five grand. And in the interim, while we were doing the clean-out and demo the other day, one of the neighbors stopped by and said he wanted to buy the place for his daughter. So we might already have the place pre-sold. I want to give you guys real-life examples that we're doing in the trenches every day. And I want you to understand that this business is not as difficult as people make it. This business is very, very simple. It's a people business. When you trust in your people and you trust in your team and you trust in the people that you're trying to do business with and you and you build rapport, genuinely understand the context of what you're dealing with and the people you're dealing with, you cannot not be successful. I know it's a double negative and, and you know, it is what it is, but you can't go through life and have rapport and build relationships and not be successful as a result. People want to work with people who listen to them. People want to work with people they trust. People will give up fifteen dollars or $20,000 to have the confidence that they're working with the right person. Okay, so I really want you to enact that. I really want you to put that in your business if you don't already. If you're flipping houses already and you're not using this strategy, if you're maybe getting into the business and you think it's just a cold, cold world out there and you have to beat people up with numbers and use scare tactics and, 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 you know, force feed contracts on people. That's bad karma. Your business will not be successful. I promise you if you do that shit. What you need to do is be caring, be kind, be firm. You're still running a business, but understand the situation, build rapport. And work with that client and continue to work with that client in the future. Guys, if you think this podcast is awesome and you get a lot of really good stuff out of it, which I hope you do, I do it for you, check out the blog. Go to theflipking.com. Leave your comments. Leave your questions. Hit me up at joe at theflipking.com. Shoot me emails. Shoot me messages about what it is you're doing in your business. Where are you at? What market? How much are you working at? I really want to build rapport with you. And if you're someone who's successful at this business and you're doing five to 10 deals a year, then you most absolutely should be involved in our hot seats that we do quarterly. It's a $5,000 investment, which we think is, is cheap to get in to, to sit at a table with six to eight to 10 real life 
hardcore investors and pick their brain as if as if you're taking them you know to lunch and you're getting every bit of information but you're spending two whole days at a conference room table listening to these people asking them any question you want we're all very brutal and open as far as what we talk about our numbers exactly what we spend exactly who we employ how our teams are built every aspect of the game that you want to know from a high level player who's building a business or owning a business that's going to be successful for years to come, you can learn for a measly $5,000. Guys, I practice what I preach, and I go to these things all the time. So it's just something you want to pay attention to. It's something you want to think about as you're growing your business. You have to spend time in front of people who are successful. So I hope you're getting good value out of it. Please check those things out. Check us out at iTunes and leave comments. Um, There's going to be a lot of great instructional stuff coming out over the next three months, so keep track through the website and through the blog, make sure you register for our email, blastontheflipking.com. You're going to get a lot of good content from there too. So um, I hope we get to meet and talk one day in person. That's why we do this. So again, I hope you like it. Checking out from uh, my beautiful backyard here in Haddonfield, New Jersey. I'm going to finish this glass of wine. I'm going to kick my feet up and enjoy the fire in front of me. And uh, I look forward to the next podcast with you guys. Until then, keep hustling.